brother i'm grace hello brother i'm stephanie and this is doppelgangers today we're talking about season six episode nine of the vampire diaries which is called i alone somebody's alone that's for sure who's alone bonnie yeah (laughs) mainly bonnie's alone enzo's alone a little bit matt's about to be alone yeah he keeps acting like this he keeps this shit up kai's alone doesn't have a lot of allies right now although he's kind of he tries to get one at the end of the episode yeah. Ally, servant, whatever. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> There's so many words to pick from. I think Tyler would call it ally. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about this week, but before we get into any of it, here's a quick ad. I will start, as always, by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. Damon finds himself in hot water after he carries out a plan that requires Alaric's unwilling participation. When Elena shares some hopeful news with Jeremy about Bonnie, she is caught off guard by his reaction. I don't know why. Yeah. Pretty fair reaction. Liv helps Damon and Elena with their plan to get Bonnie back, but when things take an unexpected turn, she's left with a difficult choice to make. Elsewhere, Matt takes matters into his own hands when Enzo's actions cross the line, and Kai's existence continues to be a dangerous threat. No mention of Stefan in the synopsis. We'll be spending a lot of time talking about Stefan, and Enzo, I fear. And Enzo. I think it's going to be like a Stefan and Damon debate, but worse. Guess whose side I'm on. And, you know, it's pretty obvious whose side I'm on. And I will respect that he's a little dramatic this episode. But he's so cute to me. He is cute to me, but we'll, we'll get into it. He's being a little bit of a, a baby, I think. I think we can agree. He's he's throwing a little bit of a tantrum. He's throwing a touch of a tantrum, but I, I don't think it's unwarranted in some ways. Okay, well, we'll talk about it. I think it's unwarranted in most ways. I want to make it clear I'm not entirely on Enzo's side over Stefan, but I am sympathetic to Enzo. You're sympathetic to the cause. Yeah, I have to be. We open the episode at Alaric's apartment or Joe's apartment. It's a little unclear. It looks like Alaric's based on the green. I'm pretty sure it's Alaric's because there's like a big skull on the wall, which feels like a longhorn skull, which feels very Alaric. That does feel like him. But he does get the Ascendant. I guess maybe he just goes there after. Who knows? It's someone's apartment. Well, she's also wearing the same color green as the wall, which is so me. They do seem like they have similar design preferences, the two of them. Yeah. He's lighting candles when she gets home. She says, knock, knock. He says, come in, which does make it sound like it's his apartment. Whatever. (laughs) She says, oh, it's one of those nights. And he says, your enthusiasm is amazing. She says, sorry, I had a day from hell. I didn't mean it. Actually, you know what? Cards on the table. I did mean it. Uh, But I'm going to call take backs. She said, you know what? Actually, uh, why lie? She said, I don't know why I said that. (laughs) Joe and Alert kiss, smooch. And then Joe notices this food. She says, oh, you got Thai food. And he says, I should have led with the food. Ha ha. They're quirky, whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's okay, guys. We don't need to build up too much of this relationship. I'm team Joe at this point. I'm already shipping because they don't have any other age-appropriate love interests. Yeah. And they have enough chemistry for me. And also, when I look at new couples that I've been introduced to, I have them and I have Liv and Tyler. I'm going with Alaric and Joe, baby. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with it. You don't need to say he got Thai food. I was with him already. Okay? <laughs> you got me. <laughs> She says, this is perfect. I'm starving. He holds out a bottle of wine and she says, oh, where's yours? Because one thing about Joe, she likes wine. Every alcoholic man needs his wine or wife. Yeah, these are two alcoholics. But this is also something that is so true on teen dramas in general. 
And I think it's because, not to stereotype, I think it's because young women who are watching these shows will often watch them with their moms and moms love wine. And so I think whenever a teen drama writes a character who is like older than the kids, they're like, what does she love? Wine. Wine. How do we communicate she's fun, but not in an age inappropriate way? She loves wine. (laughs) I just finished watching the episode of Pretty Little Liars where they all have their prom in the burn because they're burned from prom for obvious reasons because of killers following them. And then all their moms have like a wine night in the house and they get mysteriously locked in the basement. Yeah. And like one of the moms, it's on house arrest at some point. And she's like, oh, because you're on house arrest, like you can't drink. And she's like, will this thing detect a sip of Chardonnay? Like, she's so me. Any teen drama adult woman loves wine, except <laughs> you never watched The O.C., I don't think. I watched parts of it. Kirsten, Kristen, I never remember which one it is, so sorry. The mom on The O.C., she, like, loves wine in, like, a very normal teen drama way. And then there's one point in, I think, like, season three, where, like, within the span of three episodes, she's, like, a vodka-chugging alcoholic. And it's like, what? <laughs> she just liked wine. And then all of a sudden, she's like, yeah, I have to go to rehab. Yeah, the Annalise Keating vodka alcoholic vibe. Yeah. Which is dark. If you're drinking straight vodka, let's let's just watch ourselves. I'm not saying anything about you. I can't say shit about you because I'm drinking wine like these moms, bitch. Like, yeah. I'm with them. Those are my girls. Yeah. I just think it's always funny because every time they want to have, like, a relatable character who's older than the core group but relatable, they're like, she likes wine. Or that's what they did when they did the time jump on Pretty Little Liars. They're like, now whenever they hang out, they're drinking. Look at them all drink mimosas together. Yeah. They like wine now. See? They're wine girls. Look at look at Emily drinking a red wine yet again. They're mature. <laughs> he says, very funny, they kiss. So it's romance night here at either Alaric or Joe's apartment. It's impossible to say which. <laughs> it's romance night, but little to Alaric's knowledge, it is also a covert mission night. It is scheme night. (laughs) We go over to Rick's office. It's the morning after this date. But we go back and forth in time a little bit. Stefan and Damon walk into the office. They have coffee. At first, it looks like it's for them. Even though we've never seen these two have coffee. I was, when he walked in with coffee in the bag, I was like, why are they having this today? I was like, why are these two drinking coffee? They don't need it. (laughs) Stefan says, you didn't compel him to get her drunk. And Damon says, no, I compelled him to do whatever it takes. And considering the Ascendant is the key to her psycho brother's prison world, I'm pretty sure it's going to take her a few to open up. And, and I'm pretty sure neither of these two needed any compulsion to, to get drunk, okay? Yes. These are alcoholics. And you know what? Good for them. I'm glad they found each other. They're both functioning. I guess alcoholics is dramatic. It's not that dramatic, but it is. It's not that dramatic for Lurik. I mean... Joe's less of an alcoholic. She definitely is not like, I mean, like, Alaric's going to work drunk. Joe's yeah. not going to work drunk. Yeah. <laughs> now he's functioning and he's doing a great job at his job, but to be fair, he is an occult studies professor. Yeah, he is a college professor of occult studies. So, like, if you thought that guy wasn't going to be drunk, I think you needed to be a little bit more prepped for the realities of life. If he's tipsy, it probably enhances the lecture, whereas Joe is a doctor. Well, I think occult studies, like if he's drinking bourbon, it's cool. If he were drinking tequila, I think it'd be a different game. Or if he were drinking straight vodka, it'd be like, I'm worried about him. Yeah. But bourbon, it's like, oh, well, he's, you know, he's a cultured guy. Exactly. He's just been through trials and tribulations of life. And he has. And, you know, that probably ha- has something to do with toxic masculinity and the patriarchy. But 
but that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> I, I just I'm raising that because I think that might be an important topic for someone who wants to discuss that. But unfortunately, we're here to talk about how Alaric is hot and sexy. I want to see people kiss is the thing. Yeah. And I want to see people kill each other in hot ways. Yeah. I want to see Enzo and Kai try to kill each other. Maybe they accidentally kiss along the way. And maybe their shirts are off. <laughs> it's hard to say. It's hard to say. <laughs> but I'm not writing it. Kevin Williamson, you do what you're going to do. Julie Pleck, take it how you're going to take it. But just just my two cents. Yeah. We go back over to the apartment where the date is. Rick says, I swear, your dad loves me. I've never been given so clear a blessing. Ha ha ha. Joe says, you went to see him and he tried to kill me. How's that a blessing? And Mark says, because he didn't try to kill me. <laughs> he just banished me from your creepy childhood home. And she says, it wasn't creepy back then. Once your brother brutally murders your siblings, creep sets in. Once it's being magically spelled to be invisible, I think that's when the creep sets in. Yeah, I think any invisible house is by its nature creepy. Yeah, maybe you didn't think it was creepy because it wasn't invisible to you. I'm sorry, there's a giant family in Oregon with like 300 kids and their house is invisible. I mean, something's up is all I'm going to say. It's creepy. Rick says, so you just ran. And she says, I didn't run. They let me go. We made a deal. Betray your brother. Get your freedom. He says, so where does the ascendant fall under this deal? Okay, Joe. Mm -hmm. I know Rick was compelled to do this. And Rick is generally very, like, subtle with these things. This is very on the nose that he's looking for the Ascendant, Joe. Yeah, this is pretty heavy-handed. Her falling for this is on her. <laughs> I know that you trust Alaric, and that's great. But there's no reason to tell anyone where it is. Yeah, because even if you trust Alaric, him knowing and not telling anyone, what does that add to you? Nothing. Yeah. Or, you know, I'd tell a fake place. See what the reaction is. Put a fake ascendant in your underwear drawer. Yeah, he doesn't know what it looks like. Yeah. Can you imagine if he showed up with like a Rubik's Cube and Damon was like, what? <laughs> with like a diva cup. And Damon's like, I don't know what this is. The diva cup was actually right next to the real ascendant, but he just didn't know what it looked like. And he's like, well, the ascendant can't possibly be this thing full of gears. It's probably this, this plastic thing. There's no way this plastic thing has any business being in an underwear drawer. <laughs> Joe says, they didn't know I had the Ascendant. By the time they found out, I was gone. They couldn't come take it? Yeah, we know that your dad has been tracking your career. He knows where you are. And plus, everybody knows where you are because you guys all ended up at this college. So clearly, they didn't want it that bad. Yeah, I also guess they figured, like, it's no harm no foul if Joe has it because we know she doesn't have magic. Well, and also, like, we know Joe's not going to let Kai out, so. So, like, whatever, you can have it. We don't really give a fuck, girl. Yeah. Alaric says, I still don't understand why you'd want it. And she says, it makes me feel safe, in control. As long as I have it, no one can use it to get Kai out. Kai can't get me. This is embarrassing, but I actually used to sleep with it under my pillow. And he says, used to? Was that past tense purposeful or what? <laughs> is it right there? Is it, is it really that easy? She says, yes, used to. I'm a grown-up now, obviously, and I keep it in my underwear drawer next to my pot. And he says, that explains why you're always hungry. Classic pot joke. How dare you call me fat first? She said, all. hey. <laughs> uh, she says, no, I'm always hungry because I'm a vegetarian. If you're always hungry, eat some meat. I mean, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Go listen to your body. Aren't you a doctor? Introduce some protein in then. Yeah. Ever had garbanzo beans? I was going to say garbanzo beans are like the thing. Might I recommend lentils? <laughs> <laughs> Rick says, okay, well, and then he pours some more wine and it's the last of the wine. He said, okay, well, now that I have that information, let's start chugging, shall we? 
He said, all right, mission accomplished. Now let's get drunk. And and what if, what if just for fun, uh, you took an Ambien? <laughs> and I won't. I won't. We should take Ambien's together. And he just pretends to swallow it. <laughs> Joe says, good, no more distractions because they're going to have sex. Good for them. But we don't we don't see them kiss because ew they're old because they're old. <laughs> Even though Damon is over 150 years old, but they're like we draw the line at people above 30. We draw the line at a 30 year old woman. <laughs> over in Rick's office, Stefan says, "You realize he's going to kill you when he finds out what you did to him." And Damon says, "That's my relationship to ruin." Thank you. Well, at this point, I was like, "Oh, I will get over it." Like, what did he think he wasn't going to get compelled? Turns out he did think that. Yeah. Turns out he's not going to get over it really fast. Damon says, I didn't complain when you ruined your relationship with Caroline. And Stefan says, well, I didn't. Stefan's like, can you guys stop bringing that up? Damon, number one Caroline defender. He's so real for that. Mm -hmm. Damon says, yeah, I'm sure she's fine. She's on vacation with her mom, eating ice cream out of the cart and convincing herself she never liked you in the first place. Stefan says, okay, are you done? Because he feels bad. (laughs) He said, please don't do this. He's like, stop making me feel guilty about it. He said, if I start feeling too guilty, you know what I'm going to do? Become a ripper. And then no one's having fun because then guess what? I get guiltier and more insufferable. No one no one wants that. <laughs> Damon says, careful, Stefan. I know it may seem easy to be the big bad Salvatore, but soon you'll find yourself lying in the middle of the road, pouring your heart out to a stranger, having an existential crisis. A position Damon has been in many times. Yeah, he would know. Isn't it funny how these two just ping pong back and forth? Oh, a psychologist would have a field day. That's, that's big money. Yeah. Stefan says, okay, great. So when's the grand theft going to happen? And Damon says, well, assuming everything went well, it's already happened, which means Rick comes in with the Ascendant in his hand. Yeah. Uh, he says, here it is. And he hands it straight to Damon. And Damon says, thanks, buddy. He hands him the coffee and the bag. And he compels him and says, go home to Joe. Be a good boyfriend. Forget this ever happened. And Alaric goes. Alaric says, uh, got it. He said, you got it, boss. We go over to the Whitmore quad. Jeremy and Elena are going on a brother-sister run. Jeremy says, I shouldn't be winning. And Elena says, two weeks without booze doesn't make you Iron Man. I can still vamp circles around you. He says, yeah, that's cheating. He does a little spin and smiles at some girls. Because he's in his his little whore era. Yeah. (laughs) Elena says, or I could pants you in front of the entire women's volleyball team. And he says, I doubt they'd mind. They would. (laughs) She stops and she says, okay, I give up. What did you do with my miserable half-drunk brother? And Jeremy says, well, uh, now that I learned that Bonnie went to peace, he canceled Bonnie's cell phone plan. He cried till there was nothing left and got all the grief out of his system. He's ready to move on. He says, I'm in a great place. And she looks at him like, well, (laughs) he says, what? She says, well, I'm about to push you back down is the thing. She says, it's about Bonnie. After this sentence, she should have been like, you know what? I'm just not going to tell him yet. It's about Bonnie. You know what? I'm glad that you're doing well. Yeah, that's where this conversation should have ended today. She's entirely too optimistic. Yes, she sits down with Jeremy at a table and Jeremy says, but Damon said she found peace. And Elena says, yeah, he thought Kai had killed her, but he just found out she's alive and he's doing everything he can to. And Jeremy says, oh, so you're back to defending him. Wow. All it took was one hollow promise to bring Bonnie back. Jeremy said, I thought you compelled away all the good memories. At least the first time, it took like three seasons for you to see the good in Damon. Now it took, what, a week? He's like, now you're just in love with him again? Can you just be in love or not? I'm done keeping up with this. He said, pick one. Because remember, my girlfriend's dead. Except I guess maybe she's not. (laughs) 
Elena says, no, it's not hollow, okay? Liv is looking for a way to send us over there so we can find Bonnie and bring her back. And Jeremy says, and if you can't? And Elena doesn't answer that question. She says, Jeremy, this is good news. She's like, I've actually not even remotely considered the possibility that this won't work, even though 90% of our plans don't work. Yeah. Jeremy says, you're right. This is good news. Tonight, I'm going to see Bonnie again, and everything is going to go back to the way it was, because I have never heard that before. He goes. And you know what? It's it's hard to argue with him here. Yeah, especially because he does end up being right. Yeah, I mean... This isn't the first time someone has been like, we're going to save Bonnie. What about Bonnie? She's staying dead at this <laughs> point. What about Bonnie? She is not getting her ass saved. Yeah. We go over to the Lockwood house. Liv is packing a bag with a grimoire. And Tyler says, I brought you to Mystic Falls to keep you safe from your crazy ass witch family. You can't just leave because Damon wants you to do some spell. She says, oh, so what? I'm a prisoner here. Do I look like Rapunzel? And he says, well, actually... He says, well, I mean, kind of. That's why I liked you. I love Tangled. Yeah. He's like, do you want me to answer that? Tyler says, hey, why can't Luke do it? And (laughs) Liv says, because he's busy enjoying his last few weeks as a singular twin with his sugar daddy radiologist. There are two things we know about Luke. One, he is gay. And two, he is dating a radiologist. No, there's three things we know about Luke. He is gay, he's Liv's brother, and he's dating a radiologist. And I love <laughs> I love to pretend this is a different radiologist than the last one we heard about. That he's just he's cycling through the department. He's working through the radiologists. <laughs> Whitmore has a record number of radiologists who are gay. <laughs> and Liv says, and I'd like to enjoy my last few weeks. And Tyler says, Matt, help me out here. And Matt says, I, I'm not gonna help you actually. It's for Bonnie. Uh, and I don't really give a fuck about this Liv girl. I don't think we've ever spoken. Nice to meet you. Uh, I don't care if she dies. Matt's like, here's the thing. I'm getting ready to defend everyone from vampires, even though I let you guys have free reign over everything. And I don't care about anybody else. I'm just going to pick some weird high ground to get on. So I'm trying yeah. to trying to find my way up there right now. My day's all booked. Yeah. With that. Liv says, look, I can't stay locked up in here any longer. I'm out of clothes and I've had pizza for breakfast every day this week. We have to get back to our normal lives. Yeah, she's like, I can't live like this. Yeah, she's like, this house is gross. Tyler says, if you leave and your coven finds you, she says, what, they'll make me merge with my brother? Hey, it's not all bad. If I survive, you'll be dating the all-powerful leader of the Gemini coven. And if I don't, you can date Luke. Tyler says, this isn't a joke to me, okay? It's not funny that you're insinuating that I'm gay. <laughs> I'm homophobic. <laughs> He doesn't say that. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He does give me homophobic energy, though. He does. But I don't think it's like, I don't think he realizes that he's homophobic. I think it's like, no, I'm all for it. It's just like really weird when like two guys are kissing. I think he's probably like the kind of guy that he's like, no, I have nothing against it. But like, it's weird that like a guy could hit on me. Yeah. And I bet the gays do hit on him. Because he's hot and sexy. Liv says, well, I have to laugh. Because if I start imagining my life stuck in this town, running away from my family, I will fall apart. You might as well merge with your brother. It's kind of kind of moot. Tyler says, I'll find a way. They kiss. Yawn. Boring couple alert. I don't give a fuck. And it's like, look, I all love Tyler. I, I love that you want to help someone like this. What the fuck are you going to do? Like, honestly... I would be willing to bet a significant amount of money that he doesn't remember what the situation is completely. I don't think it's unfair of him to not remember it. I do think yeah. that it's like 
stupid what this coven does. But I do think like, I don't know what Tyler thinks he's going to find out, especially because we haven't seen him open a book. Yeah. Considering it's taking his entire willpower to just not accidentally kill someone, apparently. Yeah. And so it's clear, I mean, and we'll get to it when we get to it, but like, he's got no plan. So of course he's going to team up with Kai. Yeah. So Liv leaves. Then we go over to the living room. And for some reason, Sarah's ass is there, except her name's not Sarah. It's Monique, but we'll get to that in a minute. See, every time she comes on screen, I feel like booing. So, you know, I'll just lead with that because that, I think, informs a good amount of my opinion later in the episode. Let's just say I'm not going to miss her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She says, wow, that was an actual fight two people just had over a twin merge. This town is so weird. I understand the point here is like supernatural stuff is goofy, but you do realize that she's upset that her or her twin brother are going to have to die. Like that is grounded in... That's a very human thing to be afraid of. This is not goofy. Yeah, that's not like, ha ha ha. It's so crazy how she's crying that her brother might die. What? (laughs) What is this problem? Pisses me off. Matt says, you'll get used to it. No, she won't. I mean, she's she's only got a few hours left. (laughs) Yeah. Sarah says, or I won't. And a vampire will kill me like they killed your friend Trip. Actually, girl, it's going to be the exact same vampire too. You, you really called it here, girl. <laughs> Maybe you're psychic. When she said this, I was thinking like, I mean, probably someone's going to kill her pretty soon. Because yeah. she wasn't giving us much. Yeah. Her big thing was that Zach's her dad and Zach's not here. So where else is this story going? Yeah, exactly. Matt says that's not going to happen because I won't let it. Oh, good. Matt Donovan's on the case. He's so good at stopping vampires from killing people he cares about. Not... He's always like, I'm going to stop it. And then when he's in that situation, he's always standing there being like, don't. That's not going to stop it. You have to do something. He's always like, no, don't kill her. And they're like, "Um, I'm gonna. Thanks, though. And then he's like, oh, man, why couldn't I stop it? You stood there. You didn't even try. You didn't even, like, charge at him. You have a magic ring. At least let him snap your neck so you tried something, bitch. Yeah. He puts one singular file in the fire. And says, and with that, the Mystic Falls Community Protection Program is officially disbanded. Now, I get that they don't have a leader, so why would they keep going? But then what are all these kids who just now know about vampires doing? (laughs) What was the point of it? Can't get on the council because I don't think any of them are founding families. Yeah, they were just hanging out, wanting to kill people. I guess now they have to get to the actual police academy. But hopefully this time they learned how to lie on the psychological eval. Sarah says, you know what that means. I helped you, now you help me. What did you help him with? You were just sitting here. Okay, you sat here while he burned files and made fun of the girl whose brother might die? What exactly was helpful about that? Exactly. She says, time for a little family reunion. We go out to the cemetery, the woods. Damon and Elena are walking together, and Elena says, what does Matt want with Stefan? And Damon says, I don't know, it's Matt. Food, money, new social class. He got his ass. And Elena, Elena has none of her good memories about Damon, and this still fucking gets her. She's laughing. Like, imagine there's someone who you think is a serial killer who you know killed your brother, and he says this about your ex-boyfriend. How true does it have to be for you to laugh at that? Like, and she laughs out loud. It's not just a little smile. Like, she is laughing, laughing. She is kicking her feet, giggling. And, and you know what? It's true. That's the whole point. But it made me laugh so hard. I was like, why is she 
Why is she dying at this? <laughs> Ghosts shouldn't be that funny to you. <laughs> Damon says, whatever it is, better distract Stefan from his sizable screw up with Caroline. By the way, did you know about that? How she felt about him? Because he's a gossip, one thing about him. And she says, yeah, Caroline told me a little while back. And whatever you're thinking, I want both of them to be happy. Because it is about me. And don't worry, I don't care if they date. And it's like, no one was worried about that. He said, I wasn't going to ask you your opinion. I just wanted to know if you knew. Yeah, I was just curious because we're all Team Caroline up in here. Yeah. Damon says, even if she compels away all the things she likes about him. And Elena's like, well, okay. I get it. Also, she can't because Alaric's a human now. Yeah. And, you know, I recognize that the way I handled it ended up pretty bad. So I do hope that was a lesson to you all. Yeah. They arrive at Grayson and Miranda Gilbert's graves, where Liv is setting up the spell. Mm-hmm. Elena says, hey, thanks for doing this. Liv says, yeah, don't worry about it. I needed an excuse to get out of the frat house anyway. Too much boy. Gross. Go to your dorm room. What do you want me to say? She says, got everything. And Damon says, yep. Blood from a Bennett. Lucy, to be exact. TBT to Lucy Bennett. We met her one time in the Masquerade episode. She's the witch who Catherine got to come with her and help. Yes. And at the end of the episode, Lucy says, don't worry, you'll see me again. And then we never saw her again. There were a few times after we were like, oh, maybe Lucy's going to come back. And I was like, poor Stephanie. I already forgot about her. So, yeah. So thanks for the blood, Lucy. Love it. Damon says, and an ascendant from whatever the hell your last name is. Liv says, Parker. It's a very simple last name. She says, you don't know my last name after we just told that whole fucking story at Thanksgiving. (laughs) She says, so this is the famous Ascendant. I'm surprised that Joe gave it up. Elena says, why? And Damon looks scared as fuck. Yeah, Damon's like, let's get this moving before you guys think too much about that. (laughs) Liv says, it's the only thing keeping Kai locked in his prison. If he gets out, he's coming after Joe. And Damon says, well, good old Joe helping us out. Can we do this, please? (laughs) He's not even hiding it. Well, so the fact that like, Elena and Liv fall for this is no one's fault but their own. Well, and Liv, like, I know you want to help these people, but don't you understand that you shouldn't do anything that lets him out? Which, like, it ends up being irrelevant that they use this to get in there because he's already figured his own way out. But it would behoove her to follow her coven's orders on this part. You would think. Liv says, whatever. I'm going to need the moon to activate the Ascendant. It will be viable for about eight hours. So once I send you over, the clock's ticking. Elena says, how do we get back? And Liv says, drink these. They're little vials of blood. Liv says, it's my blood. It'll link you to me so I can find you and bring you back. Give this one to Bonnie too. And then they like look at her and she's like, are you waiting for a toast? Drink it. And they do. Damon says, ooh, bitter. Wonder why. Shall we? So Damon and Elena hold the ascendant. Liv pours blood on it, does the spell. They go and they arrive in the prison world. Elena is like looking off to the side, looking a little distant. And Damon says, hey. And she says, I used to come here every day after the accident for months. Okay. What do you want me to do about it? Yeah, I'm sure you did. It's your parents' graves. Like, Yeah, Damon's like, oh, yeah, this is where your parents are buried. And she says, yeah, but not in 1994. In 1994, they were still alive. Damon says, yeah, so is Bonnie. Let's go get her. Yeah, Damon's like, should I have been more clear? Like, no one else is here. Like, they're not here. You won't see them. Just in case. Just in case you thought that. Am I supposed to be reacting to this in some way? I thought we both knew we were here to get Bonnie. Don't we all hate your dad? Wasn't your dad kind of a dick? Yeah. He says, just keep your eyes peeled. There's a pork grind munching freak around here somewhere. And they go. 
But the thing is, there isn't a pork rind munching freak around there. And we get that confirmed because we go to a car. Kai is in the back seat of a car. Yeah, uh, in the back seat of a moving car. So pretty quick, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's out of there. Yeah, because no other way to get driven somewhere unless Bonnie was driving him, which she wouldn't. Yeah. He says, hey, you ever worn skinny jeans? And the driver, who is a grown man, so we now know for sure he's out, looks back at him. And Kai says, it seems wrong. I'm all bunched up. Also, why are jeans so tight when phones are so big? Yeah. I mean, you know, that is a fair question. He's real for that. But Kai, you don't have to follow trends. You can wear whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah. Driver says, I don't know what to tell you, pal. And so we do get a little bit of, I can't remember what you called it, like the enchanted baloney. Yeah. (laughs) He's like... (laughs) He's like, what's all this new technology? Anyway, so Kai says, oh, God, I'm that guy, right? That guy who won't shut up. I hate that guy. I just sat next to that guy on the plane. He was the worst. Hey, speaking of planes, have you flown recently? Because what's with the whole liquid situation and the whole stripping before you go through security situation? That was me working TSA. Yeah, I don't know. Both Kai and Damon had to strip in TSA. And he's like, I need you guys to understand. That's weird. That is weird. Yeah, I was that TSA. I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're gonna have to take off your shirt. Yeah, there's uh explosives in your shirt, maybe. Maybe take off your pants. Your boxers or briefs. You can show me. <laughs> <laughs> Kai says it's weird. Uh because Kai <laughs> no one told him about 9-11. Well, and he's like, What's a terrorist? That sounds like me. That's a cool name. Yeah, the driver says they're worried about terrorists. okay uh kai says well the real terrorists are some of those people taking off their shoes i mean there are some stinky people out there that's true kai says i know i'm chatty i'm sorry i've just been in prison for a while not like regular prison more like a special kind of the driver pulls over and says okay we're here that'll be 30 yeah the driver's like i don't i'm not listening to like what kind of prison you were in because there's no good version of it let's be serious yeah he said i really don't care he doesn't like him anyway yeah. So Kai says, oh, all right. And he goes in his jeans and he grabs some cash and says, oh, take this. Hang on. I got it. And the driver's like, buddy, I don't have all day. And Kai's like, oh, dumb. He's really digging in his pocket because he's wearing skinny jeans. Yeah. Kai says, I got it. Hold on. Hold on. And then he grabs headphones and he says, well, I guess this will do. And then he strangles the driver with the headphones. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it was pretty clear early on he wasn't paying for this cab ride. Not that this driver could have known that. But, you know, me and the audience. Yeah. I know that. I I didn't see a world in which he was paying for a service that was provided. Yeah. So the driver dies. Kai puts the headphones, like, in the driver's ears. Since he's laying back, it looks like he's listening to music. Mm -hmm. Kai gets out, uh, looks in the rearview mirror, and says, like, okay, thank you. And then as he goes, we can see the sign that says Whitmore College. So we know he's at Whitmore. Mm -hmm. So if it makes Alaric and Joe feel any better... Um, it didn't really matter that they got the Ascendant stolen because Kai was already out before the Ascendant was even stolen. So, Sorry. oh, well. <laughs> we go over to the Salvatore house in the prison world. Elena and Damon have arrived. Elena calls out for Bonnie. Damon says, nothing, you. And Elena says, nothing. I looked at every room plus the basement. And then she sits down and says, Damon, you don't think that Kai and Damon says, let's not jump to depressing conclusions. She says, okay. And then she sees a pillow and she's, oh my God, Damon, this is blood. She sniffs it. So she knows it's blood. Yeah. It's like, I think I could tell from the way it was a red smeared on a pillow, but you do what you have to do. Yeah. Damon says, okay, and we're jumping. And he goes to grab the phone. And Elena says, what are you doing? And he says, look, if Kai has Bonnie, we need to talk. 
And she says, so you're going to call him? And he says, page him, actually. And he says, oh, I forgot you were two in 1994. Which is like, oh, don't remind me the age difference. Let's not point that out so clearly. I've, I've been ignoring it, and I'm happy to continue to ignore it. But don't make me think about it. Yeah. Don't bring it up so I have to actively ignore it. Yeah. Damon says, pagers are an ancient form of telecommunication. And she says, I know what a pager is. How does it work, though? I know what a pager is. But what does it do? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> just can you explain it in case anyone's listening? Yeah. He says, well, we dial Jackass's number, 555 Hayek Great digits. We leave our number, and then we hang up. And Elena says, now what? He says, we sit by the phone like a 13-year-old girl and wait. We go over to a diner. Sarah is sitting at a table with Matt, and Matt says, relax. And Sarah says, I'm about to meet one of my only living relatives. Well, you're not. (laughs) You're not, and you know it. (laughs) Yeah. Enzo approaches and says, technically, he's not living. So, Stefan has extended family. I'm intrigued. And Matt says, Enzo, what are you doing here? One thing about Enzo, he's going to be at this damn diner. Yeah. He likes the pie here. Should have gone somewhere else. There has to be another Denny's you could go to. Yeah. Enzo says, apparently rescuing this one from the world's most dreadful lunch. Matt and Stefan, sweetheart, you could do so much better. Me, for example, I'm Enzo. He goes out <laughs> to shake his hand. And Matt says, that's the guy who killed Trip." And she goes, oh, my God. <laughs> He's like, okay, okay. Enzo says, okay, for the record, he did try to kill me first. And he turns to Matt and says, you are the most terrible wingman. And Matt says, Enzo, leave. This whole episode is just Matt trying to be threatening. And it's like, Matt, it's embarrassing for you, buddy. It's not working. And just says, oh, or what? Matt says, maybe I'll pick up where Trip left off. Where Trip left off not killing Enzo? Yeah. Where he was left off was in a chair getting murdered and turned into a vampire. So do you really want to end up there? Yeah. Enzo says, go on then. Stefan comes in and he doesn't want to deal with this. So he says, you know, I really wouldn't do that if I were you. You hurt him, I hurt you. I don't really feel like cleaning up two corpses today. And Enzo says, making threats in front of impressionable family. How brutish. And Stefan says, what are you talking about? And Sarah says, me. I'm Zach and Gail's daughter, Sarah Salvatore. She really adopted that name quick. We go back over to the prison world, Salvatore house. Elena is looking in a cabinet and she finds a video camera. She presses play. And on screen, it's a video of Damon. And Damon says, well... I'm officially in hell. This place is my own personal hell. Damon grabs it from him and he says, hey, whoa. He's like, this is embarrassing. She says, hey, what was that? And he says, mm, my audition tape for Real World London. <laughs> Fingers crossed, I think I'm finally going to make it. Oh, he would get cast on Real World so fucking fast. I know. Like, n- it's not even funny. Especially early days, Real World. Yeah. Oh, he's ready. Elena says, that was a video journal. And he says, no, journals are lame especially video ones. Yeah. (laughs) She says, why'd you say you thought this was your own personal hell? And he says, "Uh, because I was stuck here with Bonnie. What could be worse than that? He does not want to tell her hating ass that he killed a pregnant woman. (laughs) He said, the last thing you need to know about me is more people I killed. Yeah, it's not the time. She says, Damon, luckily the phone rings. Damon answers and says, Kai, if you so much as hurt one hair on her annoying little witch head, I will kill you. And then, and Bonnie says, oh, that was so sweet. Why'd you have to ruin it by calling me annoying? Elena takes the phone and says, Bonnie. Bonnie says, Elena, is that you? And Elena says, yes, it's me. I'm here in the Salvatore house in 1994. Isn't that crazy? Get to the point. 
Yeah, don't waste time explaining to her what's going on. Like, she knows she's in 1994. <laughs> Bonnie says, I can't believe I'm hearing your voice right now. How are you here? Elena says, long story, just know I'm here to get you. They smile and laugh. Damon looks at a map and says, so Kai just left you in Portland? And Bonnie says, after cooking me Thanksgiving spaghetti and sealing my blood, it's been a strange few days. Elena says, where is he now? And Bonnie says, I don't know. I hotwired a car and I'm on my way back to Mystic Falls. Elena says, you hotwired a car? Who are you? Bonnie says, a badass, apparently. A badass in Muncie, Indiana. Ooh, a city that never sleeps. Mm-hmm. Damon says, okay, well, Muncie's about six and a half hours away, give or take a knuckle. And Elena says, oh, Liv's pulling us out in seven. It's like, wow, how perfect. Yeah. Damon says, if you don't stop to use the little witch's room anymore, Bonnie says, I can make it in time. Now, girlies, can we not meet in the middle? I just... A 30-minute window is a little tight for my liking. Like, just pick a city. Because at first I was like, oh, maybe they have to get back to the cemetery to be brought back. And that's why they can't meet in the middle. Yeah. But clearly that's not true. It just feels like if it's going to be six and a half hours, why don't you pick a place three hours in the middle? And then worst case, it takes you each four hours to get there and find each other. You're good. If you pick a location even somewhat in the middle, it's fine because there's no traffic. Yeah. There's no cops to pull you over. There's literally nothing that can get in your way of getting somewhere in three hours. Pick one freeway both get on it and just drive towards each other. When you see another car, you're good. Or just say, let's meet at the Bean in Chicago. Yeah. A location that is immovable. I guess maybe the Bean didn't exist in 1994. I couldn't tell you. I think it was in like the 80s, but no, actually, no, I think it's like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm naming years like I know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm going to Google it. I want to say 2005. 2004. It was unveiled. Okay, so I actually was right. Yeah, good for you. So I guess they couldn't meet at the Bean. (laughs) But, you know, there are a lot of options in between. Yeah, it just feels like they should have just met in the middle. Well, even if it's not the direct middle, just like say, okay, we'll drive this place. You drive this place. See you soon. Damon and Melanie don't even have to drive. They can vampire run. Yeah, that's true. It just feels like, why are we going up to the very end? And I know it's because it's a TV show and they don't actually want Bonnie out this episode. Yeah. And Elena has to go look at the house that she burned down, which, you know, wouldn't be an issue if she had just, I don't know, not burned her house down. But that's me. (laughs) But we're past that. (laughs) Bonnie says, I'm going home. Elena says, you're coming home. We'll see you soon. They hang up. And then Elena sees Damon looks worried. And she says, you're worried about Kai. And he says, he's got Bonnie's blood in the Ascendant. He's got everything he needs to get out. What if he's already out? What if indeed? Great fear, Damon. If he is, then nothing you can do about it now. You might as well get Bonnie out then. Yeah. We go over to Skull Burr. Liv is working at the bar, as she, as she does. Mm-hmm. Kai comes in. She does not recognize him. At first, I thought she was, like, pretending not to recognize him to get a leg up or something. But no, she just, nothing. Which I get she was young, but it's like they just talked about him. You would think she would have, like, looked up a picture. Yeah, you would think that. But I guess not. She says, how can I help you? And he says, one Zima, please. And she says, hilarious. <laughs> he says, what do you mean? Why is that hilarious? <laughs> what's, what's so fucking funny she says are you gonna order something or just stare and he says okay how about a soda live because he reads your name tag she goes to get a soda even though he didn't name what soda so lord knows what she's grabbing yeah and after she's gone he says live ironic because he's gonna kill her he's so silly he is giggle giggling took me a second to get it honestly but i loved it when i did 
We go over to Alaric's office, and he is reading. Joe comes in, angry. She says, where is it? And he says, hmm, cryptic question, accusatory tone. This doesn't bode well for me. He's being so jokey because he has no idea. Because he's like, what could she possibly be mad at me about? Like, we just had a lovely dinner. I've been a perfect boyfriend. (laughs) She says, good, deflect, make a joke. That'll fix this. He says, what are you talking about? She says, the ascendant, where is it? And he says, I have no idea. He says, I don't know, where do you keep it? And she says, you must think I'm an idiot. I mean, to be fair, I am one. Wine, Thai food, that's all it takes. Yeah, you know, let's keep that in mind next time. Yeah. Alaric says, Joe, I don't have it. And she says, did you tell Damon where it is? He says, no, we all agreed to find another way to get Bonnie back. I wouldn't say you all agreed. Well, and Alaric, I know that you were compelled, but the second that comes out of your mouth, does that sound right? Yeah. Does that sound like what happened? And he says, do you honestly think this is my normal afternoon reading? Kinda. You teach occult studies. Like, yeah. Joe says, you and I are the only ones who knew where it was. It's gone. He says, look, I swear to you, I didn't tell anyone. I never would tell anybody. And she says, you know what? You're right. You would never tell anyone. But it doesn't mean you didn't. And he says, what are you saying? She's like, I mean, I've met Damon. He seems like he's okay with compulsion. (laughs) She says... Damon is a vampire. And Alaric says, are you saying Damon compelled me? He wouldn't do that. He's my friend. He is your friend and he would do that. Like, yeah, you should know that better than anybody. When you say that out loud, does that not sound dumb? Because even after you were friends, he killed you a couple times. Like, I know you were compelled. But again, you know, Damon, this is so classic Damon that it's like, If Stefan did it, sure, maybe that was a little surprising to you. Yeah, but Damon, and you also know that you don't have Vervain on and you're not drinking it. So you have to at least consider the possibility that you have been compelled. Yeah. That's on you, King. Joe says, okay, let's prove it. We're going to go to Mystic Falls. If you're compelled, it will go away when we walk across the border. If nothing happens, then you're right. He's your friend. This is handy with that border, isn't it? It sure is. We go back over to the prison world. They're still at the Salvador house. Damon and Elena have decided to make mimosas and pancakes because they're not going to meet Bonnie in the middle for whatever reason. Just got to wait for Bonnie to drive the entire distance. They got six and a half hours to kill. (laughs) He says bon appetit. He makes the same pancakes with the blueberry smiley face. And Elena says, hang on. And she takes whipped cream and draws fangs just like he did. Mm -hmm. So they're in love. They're soulmates. They smile at each other. He, you know, clocks. He's like, she's just like me for real. Yeah, he smiles with a little more meaning. <laughs> yeah. She says, what? And he says, nothing. Let's eat. And she says, okay, who mangled the crossword? He says, six letters, illiterate witch, B. She looks at the newspaper. She sees the article about Kai and says, oh my God, this is about Kai and Joe. And we can see now looking at it, there's a picture of young Joe that we didn't see there before because would have spoiled it. Damon says, yep, Kai's greatest hits, staring us in the face every day. Elena says, wait, I just thought of this completely on my own. If Kai gets out, he's going to go after Joe again. Damon, he's going to kill her. Elena, everybody's been saying that. That is like, yeah, you, you got it. You figured it out. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Damon says, well. If I have my Gemini rules down, actually, he's going to merge with her, which will most likely result in her death, which I guess is six of one. <laughs> Elena says, why would Joe give you the Ascendant? That's the same thing Liv asked, and you didn't react to that at all. You didn't blink. 
Damon says, because I asked you very nicely. You want music? I'm going to turn on some music. And she says, it was the one thing trapping Kai and she gave it to you. First of all, it's not the one thing trapping Kai. He had his own copy. Which, I mean, they probably don't know he has his own copy because they haven't been in there. But Damon does because he knows there's an ascendant there. Yeah. So it's like, I think to Damon, it's like, look, if we stop getting out before, we'll just do it again. And also Damon is right to be like, if he gets out, we'll just kill him. What is the fucking issue? Yeah. And it's not Damon's fault that everyone else dilly-dallied instead of killing him immediately. Live. Live. Not to blame anyone in particular, but... Not to blame women, but... Damon tries to change the subject from the Ascendant, and he goes back to music. He says, we've got Nirvana, Nine Inch Nails, Boys to Men. That one's Stefan's. <laughs> she says, Damon. Damon says, fine. Joe didn't give it to me. Alaric stole it from her. And Elena says, Alaric stole from her? And Damon says, well, after I compelled him. Damon's like, fine, you're going to make me say this. Yeah. He's like, I feel like you can get to the conclusion pretty quick. She walks away and he says, Elena, stop. And she says, of course you compelled your best friend. I mean, why would that be off limits? It's not off limits. No one ever said that was off limits. It's never been off limits before. Like, this isn't the first time he's ever compelled Alaric. And the only reason Elena has never compelled her best friends are because they can't be compelled. It's a witch and a vampire. But also, she was perfectly fine compelling her brother before Caroline transitioned. She was compelled all the time. Like, Elena has never had a problem with compelling people. Yeah, or being compelled. And let's be, again, totally honest. The Ascendant that Damon took was not Kai's only way out, obviously. Well, Elena's being a little holier than now right now because, like, even if she had been given this information, she probably would have picked Bonnie over Joe. Yeah. Honestly, if she had been given this information before they went in, what would she do? Not go into the prison world? Yeah. Oh, we'll leave Bonnie there then. Damon would still go, probably. Yeah. She's just being obnoxious about it. It's Everyone's like so mad at Damon for this. I'm like, you guys need to get over it. Damon says, I'm trying to get Bonnie back. And Elena says, no, don't, Damon. I want Bonnie back more than anything. She's my best friend. But to you, she's something else, isn't she? She's a chance for me to realize what a great guy you are so I can fall in love with you all over again. Girl, it is staggering how you made this about you. I mean, even from the I want Bonnie back more than anything. Clearly, you don't if you're mad about this. Yeah. If you want her back more than anything, you wouldn't give a shit about the compulsion. And especially because Elena already knows that Damon is worried that Kai got out totally unrelated to this ascendant. Yeah. And it is just like, of course, Damon wants you to like, get your feelings back because it was stupid you got rid of them but let's not even go there yeah but like it makes me sad how everyone's like damon doesn't even care about bonnie he is like fighting to bring her back to y'all he's the one doing the most to get her back he's doing more work than any of you and like i'm sure yes there's a part of damon that is like bonnie can probably put a good word in for me with elena but the only reason he's considering that at all elena is because you compelled the memories away and then dilly-dallied in getting them back. So excuse him for wanting one person to validate the truth. Or one person who, like, knows him and knows how much this hurts him because she helped him, like, grieve missing Elena for four months, being the only one there. It's just let him save his friend, who is also your friend, by the way. Yeah, in case you forgot... Like, I'm sorry, it was worth doing this to Alaric. And, you know, again, you guys don't know this right now. Kai's already out. The risk is irrelevant right now. It's completely moot. Yes. 
whether or not they had come into the prison world today with this stolen ascendant, Kai would have gotten out. And if anything, he probably would have taken the ascendant either way. So at least you got a chance to get Bonnie. Now maybe let's all remember how dilly dallying has hurt us before. Okay, let's remember how Damon got in the prison world in the first place and how now Bonnie's stuck there because y'all can't fucking move your ass in a car. I'm sorry. Pissing me off. Elena says, it doesn't matter who gets hurt in the process as long as Damon gets what Damon wants. Like, again, as if she's not getting anything out of the deal, i.e. her best friend back. Elena, it's always about what you want, first of all. Yeah, let's let's be honest. Let's all say it. Just silliness. So she leaves. We go back to the diner. Stefan is sitting with Sarah at the table. Enzo and Matt are sitting at the bar. And Enzo, of course, is eavesdropping, but he's doing some little jokes. Enzo says to Matt, uh, she's saying you're stupid. And Stefan is agreeing. Now she's saying you're good for nothing. And Stefan is disagreeing. He says you're a great punchline to a joke. (laughs) Funny. Great line. Great line. And Matt, this is getting to him so aggressively. It's like, Matt, just walk away. Matt hits back with everyone hates you, which (laughs) is simple but effective. But the thing about that is like Enzo doesn't like care. Yes, he does. Uh, Well, okay. I think he does care if he thinks that's fully true. I don't think he thinks everyone hates him. I think he thinks a lot of people do, but I don't think he's as concerned about like everyone hating him. Here's what I'll say. I don't think he thinks everyone hates him. and I don't think he's concerned, but here's what he is concerned about. Everyone likes Stefan more than him, which to him is even worse than everyone hating him. Yeah, that's true. He's taking it personal. Enzo says, don't be jealous. You can't vampire here because you're a big blonde bowl of mush. Just be thankful. I don't fancy mush. Enzo listens, and so we hear the conversation as well. Sarah says, so after the third group home, I got myself emancipated, which is surprisingly difficult, by the way. I'm not surprised. Of course that's hard. Yeah, I assume it's hard. Stefan says, yeah, you seem like the type that would do better on your own. (laughs) He said, and you'll do it again. He says, hey, do you want a drink? And she says, sure. Uh, He pulls the waiter over, and he says, excuse me, can we get two chocolate milkshakes, please? I was thinking to myself, that's not really a drink. Like, Can you imagine if he was like, can we get two chocolate milkshakes, please? And what do you want? (laughs) He says, it's a Salvatore family tradition. And at this point, it's like, I thought the only Salvatore family traditional drink was straight bourbon. But okay. Because I know Giuseppe never touched a milkshake in his life. Now, probably because they didn't exist yet. But even if they had, he would have been like, no, that's too indulgent. And he certainly wouldn't let his sons have a milkshake. Yeah. Like, that's a sissy drink. <laughs> Sarah says, I'm all for family traditions. Stefan's like, I bet you are. <laughs> the waitress starts making the milkshakes in a blender. Enzo notices there is a sound to cover the hearing. This is the kind of trick we abandon a lot, but Stefan never forgets its usefulness. Yeah. As the blender is going, Stefan leans in and says, okay, listen, in 10 seconds, you're going to get up and walk out of here with me, smiling, acting like nothing is wrong. The acting part shouldn't be too hard for you. We can see that Enzo can't hear. And then he says, I know you're lying. The blender stops and Stefan says, ready to go? He's so sexy when he's demanding. Sarah gets up to go and Matt says, hey, where are you guys going? And Stefan says, oh, just a little family drive. And Sarah says, it's okay, Matt. I promise. I'll call you in a bit. And they go. And now, Matt, are you an idiot? Yeah, literally. (laughs) They just ordered two milkshakes for a family tradition. And he's not even waiting for the waitress to bring them. He didn't even ask for them in to-go cups. Yeah. We go back to Skullbar. Kai is playing on his phone. He says to Liv, you on Twitter? I just signed up. You should follow me. Cobra Kai 1972. Like Karate Kid? 
He says, did you know you can follow celebs? They all Twitter the stupidest things. It's hilarious. What celebs do you think he followed? Because we have to imagine it's from the 90s. He followed like Pamela Anderson. I feel like he followed Mark Hamill. Ralph Macchio, Karate Kid. (laughs) Billy Zane. He he didn't follow Ralph Macchio, but he did follow Billy Zane. Absolutely. Leonardo DiCaprio. He followed the corporate Zima account. Just kidding. They obviously don't have an account because they don't exist. Well, he searched Zima and he couldn't find the corporate Zima account. So he accidentally followed Lauren Zima. (laughs) Who hosts Entertainment Tonight or whatever. And he's like, what is she tweeting about? That's how he discovered hashtags. Because he was looking for anyone begging for them to bring Zima back. And they didn't. (laughs) There's nothing. I'm sure that he's following like the weirdest group of celebrities. And that's why all the tweets are boring. Because it's all people who like were forced to sign up for Twitter by their PR agencies. Well, and I bet you he's probably following some that are like parody accounts that say they're celebrities, but he doesn't realize they're parody accounts. (laughs) He gets a message from like Madonna that's like, please help me. I need $3,000. He's like, Madonna messaged me. (laughs) Literally. Liv says, you know, it's kind of dead in here. I think I'm going to close up. Do you own the bar? You can't do that. She's like, I'm done working. Thanks. She doesn't give a fuck about this job. At first I was like, oh, she's scared of Kai. She's getting weight. No, she just doesn't want to talk to this dude. She's like, no, that's enough. This cannot be the weirdest person you've ever served. Kai says, no, oh, hang on. I'm going to get a real drink. Uh, And then he starts thinking about what he's going to get. He says, no bourbon. I'm secure enough in my masculinity. He said, drag Damon. Vodka's boring. Rum is too tropical. Ooh, tequila. You do not want to see me on tequila. Speak for yourself. I want to see you on tequila. I bet he gets poor behavior on tequila he gets slutty on tequila (laughs) and i need to be there and i will trap him (laughs) i'll put him in my own prison world it's called my bedroom it's called my bedroom in his little tequila cage yeah he says what about gin is that weird she says not if you're a 50 year old mind you she drinks gin yeah she ordered a whole bottle of gin at the grill like last season one thing about me for the listeners who don't know i love gin so this is my soulmate Grace's whole junior year of college, she called junior year. Because I drank gin. One thing about Grace, she's drinking gin. One thing about me, I'm having a gin martini. <laughs> and one thing about me, pass. <laughs> one, thing, one thing about Stephanie, she's not. <laughs> I'm certainly not. Every once in a while, I try a sip to see if I've changed my tune. It's not happened yet. Liv says, seeing as you look 19, I'm going to need to see some ID. He says, oh, of course. He holds it out. She looks at the ID. She just looks at the birth year because she's a bartender. She says, 1972, nice try. Also, you have to imagine that this ID expired in like the 90s. Yeah. He says, no, 1972 is true, but that's not the most interesting thing on that ID. Look again. Name, address. He's like, I want to have a reveal here, girl. He says, girl, when are you going to recognize me? You're my sister. Yeah. She says, Malachi Parker. Oh, my God. (laughs) She says, oh. She tries to run, but it's not fast enough, of course. Uh, he starts siphoning from her. Yeah, grabs her wrist. He says, last time I saw you, I was trying to kill you. Why don't we pick up where we left off? She says, actually, I don't think so. She stabs him in the arm. Good move because it does make him let go. But mm-hmm. girl, maybe we should have gone for the neck. Yeah. Just my opinion. Or, you know, you slowed him down and he let go. Take it out. Go for the neck. You still have magic. Yeah. Do it magically if you don't want to get near him. She tries to run, but of course he slams the door. He says life is so much easier with magic. Kind of feels like cheating. He keeps closing doors as she goes for them, trapping her inside. And then he says, I'm sad you didn't recognize me. It means dad erased all traces of my existence. 
family pictures, movies, little handprint turkey I made. What a dick. So it does make sense that her dad maybe hid photos. Maybe that's why she didn't see a photo. Yeah, but you would think she would have like looked it up, you know, just out of curiosity now that it just came up. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm sure Joshua had some issues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's say that. Kai has daddy issues. Joshua has son issues. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's just say that. <laughs> Liv runs upstairs. He follows her. She says, stay the hell away from me. Magically move some tables between the two of them. Be a little bit more dramatic, girl. Maybe go a little bigger. Yeah. <laughs> he says, you were always so bad at hide and seek. I mean, you were four, but find a better hiding spot. He's like, I, I can only excuse so much. He moves the chairs. He keeps walking towards her. But luckily, Tyler appears out of nowhere, pushes Kai off the balcony and says, I think she did just fine. Let's get out of here. They go. It's also worth noting in this scene, there's a sign hanging from the balcony of Skullbar. And it says, did you write down what it says? It says, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we shall die. What do you unpack about that? Some of these people in the Gemini Covenant are dying, whether it's through the merge or through something else. And I don't think Kai's going to be the first to go. I'll say that. I think Luke and Liv are in uh, big danger. Or in deep doo-doo, as they say. Yeah. We go back over to the diner where Enzo and Matt are now just having lunch. <laughs> Matt, you should have left. You don't want to have this conversation with him. Yeah. There's no way that this ends up fun for you. Enzo says, you don't find it the least bit strange that they just up and left? Matt says, I told you, she's his family. If they want to talk, let them talk. What the hell do you care? Enzo says, because I care about the truth, authenticity. This is not true. And Matt clocks him here. Matt says, or you just hate Stefan. I think it's both because he's nosy. Enzo's a nosy guy. I think he likes to know what's going on. And he also is intuitive and is like, this is obviously weird. But I think the reason he wants to know that truth is because he wants to find like issues with Stefan. I think it is more Stefan driven because let's, this is my reasoning for that. Mm hmm. There are two things going on in this episode. Or I mean, two main plots going on. We've got the Gemini Coven baloney and the Salvatore family baloney. As a nosy person, the Gemini stuff is way meatier. Yeah. So it's all it's all driven by hate for Stefan here, I think. But I do think, and this is going to be my justification that rolls through most of this, is I think Enzo is right, and we'll get into this in this conversation right now, to be mad that everyone like kind of holds Stefan on a pedestal in a way. That's how he views it. Whether that's true or not, I think can be debated, but I do think that's how he views it. Even though Stefan has done nothing but hurt his life since he got out. I disagree, but I'll wait until we get more into it to talk about it. Sure. I guess I'll just wait until I say this line. Yeah. Um, Enzo says, yeah, I do hate Stefan. He abandoned his brother, turned me over to a vampire hunter, and he hurt the one girl who can honestly do no wrong. That's not why I care. No, I care because he does all that and is still considered a hero when I get stuck being a villain. Matt says, because you kill people. Enzo says, what, and Stefan doesn't? You and I both know that's not true. I'm just upfront about it. But Stefan, now who knows what he's done? He's just a liar with a little box of secrets. Let's open the box, mush. Love that he's calling him mush. It's very funny. I have one thing to say to Enzo. Jealousy is a disease, sweetie. <laughs> okay, and you know what? But it's fair, I think, to be jealous because, like, he's been treated really badly by Stefan, which you can make all sorts of arguments about whether that's justified. And there is definitely part of it that's justified because Enzo has fought back. I mean, it's really a chicken-egg situation, but I do think where Enzo is coming from is, like, 
why am I looked down upon so aggressively when like he's the one who abandoned his brother well I've been fighting for that he's the one who like turned me in and made this a danger and all of you guys just trusted he knew best and didn't look for me which you know it's not fair for them to trust him as much as they trust Stefan but I think once Damon was gone he felt like everyone was like oh and like let's throw him out with the garbage essentially which again is like fair from those people's perspective but I just think he's very hurt by that I think he's right to feel hurt but I don't think it's any of these people's fault number one they're more willing to trust Stefan because they have more history with him. Like, they know what they expect from Stefan. They have longer, deeper friendships with him. Enzo came out, and he was pretty antagonistic to most people for a while. The only person who he's tried to build any sort of good relationship with is Caroline. But that can only go so far because Caroline also has her other shit going on, and she has history with Stefan as well. And he came out pretty antagonistic. And do I think Stefan... Should have turned him into Trip. No, I think that was a little mean. But Stefan didn't do that out of a vacuum. Enzo has not been like perfectly kind and nice to all these people. He can't expect them to just all of a sudden integrate him into the group with no judgment because he has no history with these people. And I also don't think it's fair. His point here is like, no one knows the depths of what Stefan has done. They do. Everyone knows the depths of what Stefan has done. He's open about it. Enzo's big point is like, I kill people, but I'm upfront about it. Stefan is very upfront. I mean, he wasn't always, but lately he's been very upfront about everything he's done. He doesn't lie about it. He admits his mistakes. Except when he was in Savannah and lying to everyone. But he's admitted his mistakes now. (laughs) That's the thing. Like, yes, he went to Savannah and lied about looking for Damon. He's done an apology to her for that. And guess what? Damon's back now. He abandoned his brother, but now Damon's back. Has Enzo been hanging out with Damon? Has Enzo been doing any building of that friendship? No. Now Enzo's abandoned Damon to bother Stefan. Enzo hasn't abandoned Damon. No, I guess it's not abandoning. That's not fair. But Enzo's not doing anything now except being mean to Stefan. A little, it's a little bit like you got to move on and let go at some point. I just think that this whole group has learned that there is gray area to everything. People go through things and people react to things in different ways. Sure. And I think they give Stefan a lot of grace, which is fair because he deserves a lot of grace. And I think they learned how to give Damon grace for things and understand what he was doing. And I understand they don't know Enzo in this way, but they're just not giving him grace for things. And yes, I do think he's doing things dramatically, mm-hmm. but like killing Trip, that was a good decision for all of you. Like, and everyone wants to be mad at him because he made the decision that all of you were too scared to make, but hoped would happen. I also think they're just not giving him a lot of, care and I don't think it's necessarily fair to expect them to give a lot of care for this but like he has been trapped for a lot of years he's trying to find a way out of this like he doesn't know how to go up and be like hey please care about me like and Caroline has shown him the most care of anyone but he doesn't know how to like build that relationship and sure it's not everyone's responsibility to figure that out for him but I just think after all this group has been through and what they've seen about gray areas I think they should give Enzo more grace I love Enzo, so I don't want this to come off as anti-Enzo. I don't want anyone to think I'm like an Enzo hater. But I'm seriously asking this question. Yeah. Has Enzo ever made a selfless decision for the good of this group? Okay. Here's- no. <laughs> okay, well, but the thing is, so that's my point. They learned to give Damon grace, but the only way they integrated him into the group was once he had made a number of selfless decisions that helped them. They came around on him because Damon worked hard 
to do things for the good of the group. Enzo hasn't done that. And I do think that Enzo ne doesn't necessarily want to be in this group per se, but obviously he kind of does. Mm -hmm. He hasn't done anything for the good of the group that makes him worth integrating at this point. See, I think he has done things for the good of the group. I will agree that they were not all selfless. Usually they're for the good of him. And then they tangentially help the group. Name one thing other than killing Trip that helped the group. Hunting down Stefan. Okay. But that's the point. He hunted down Stefan. And then he didn't bring Stefan back. What he did was go there, yell at him, and turn his girlfriend into a vampire. And I agree he was right for that. Mm -hmm. But if you're Jeremy... Aren't you like, okay, like, why is that my business? How does that help me? I'm not, like, working with Enzo. I think it's a crucial detail there that it's not only that Enzo didn't bring him back. Stefan refused to come back. If Enzo had kidnapped Stefan and dragged him back, would that have been better? Yeah, it would have. I just, the reason they side with Stefan is because Stefan regularly eats crow, admits when he's wrong and has made selfless decisions and worked with the group for a long time. He's built history with these people. And the thing is, Enzo, I'm not saying his decisions are never justified. I think they're often justified. But he never goes up and says, you know what? I agree. Turning Ivy was maybe a little mean. Because who suffered for that? Mostly Caroline. Granted, that's Stefan's partial fault. But that's the thing is, he never says, I can see how that was problematic for you. He never admits that he's done anything that bothers any of these other people. That's why he's not in the group. He doesn't seem to want to change any of his behaviors to fit into the group. See, but this comes back to the same Damon Stefan argument. <laughs> doesn't it always? <laughs> Changing behavior to fit in and like people accepting you are two different things. Sure. I think what is really frustrating to Enzo, and I think a lot of this Enzo doesn't know how to be vulnerable and he's scared to be vulnerable because he's never been in a place where that was safe to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I do think, you know, it's fair given what this group knows to side with Stefan. But I think there's such an immediate siding with Stefan that Enzo's like, is anyone like listening to me? Which like, I think is fair that they wouldn't, but I just think that what they've gone through there's a level of acceptance and openness that I think I would hope that they would find. And I feel like Stefan has shit on Enzo more than Enzo deserved. Now, don't get me wrong, Enzo deserved some of that. But Stefan has deeply, deeply shit on Enzo and like dragged his reputation through the mud with this group as well. Let's go back to the beginning, though. One of the reasons that Stefan and Enzo hate each other so much is Enzo framed Stefan for murdering him. He didn't frame him. I mean, Stefan did. He made Stefan kill him. Yeah, he made Stefan kill him. And so he framed it like it was a murder. Yeah, but like Stefan's the one who got to tell the story afterward. Sure, but that's, well, Stefan didn't want to kill him. Stefan already hated him before that. But he wasn't going to kill him. The only reason he wasn't going to kill him was because he knew it looked bad, but he hated him already. And well, so did that as a way to kind of get back, which was dramatic, but his humanity was off. Because Enzo was being so perfectly kind and nice to Stefan before that. He was mad at Stefan because Stefan abandoned his brother. Because Stefan didn't read Damon's mind that he was in a cage? No, which again, Stefan didn't know. But like, you have to understand Enzo's coming from this place of like, I had this one person that was that I was holding on to hope for. I watched Damon hold on to hope and probably, you know, I'm reaching a little, but probably after Damon got out, Enzo's like, you know what? This sucks, but at least Damon got to find his brother again. And then he gets out 20 some odd years later to be like, oh, no, his brother was still abandoning him. 
But his brother wasn't abandoning him at that point. They were BFFs. But he, ha- he had in the past. This is the problem is, and I mean, this is not totally Enzo's fault. This is really his personality. He's very emotional. He's afraid to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Jealousy is a disease. And I think he is jealous of Stefan. Coupled that with already his hatred of Stefan, it's it's taking over him a little bit. You have to be honest. It's clouding his judgment. It is clouding his judgment a bit. A bit. I mean, I think he hates Stefan and he's a little jealous of Stefan. You think he's a little jealous of Stefan? <laughs> I guess what I'll say is what he's jealous of with Stefan is that people care about him. Yeah. And Enzo doesn't know how to ask for that because how do you go and like, please care about me? And the thing is, he knows that like, it's possible because they care for Damon, they care for Stefan, and he has seen some care from Caroline. And I think he's just scared to ask for it. And yes, he's taking this a little fur, but Stefan is pushing him. Well, but also, I take issue with your argument that he doesn't know how to get these people to care for him. He does. He knows what this group values. This group values not randomly killing people. That's all he has to do to endear himself to them is just not kill a random waitress. It's really that simple. And I think he can tell that. See, but okay, this is also just my general issue with this group is like, you're vampires. You can't kill a waitress once in a while. This is an issue with that argument. If vampires had to kill to feed, sure. They don't have to kill people to feed. I'm fine with them feeding from humans. I have no issue with that, like, morally. Yeah. He doesn't have to kill her. He doesn't have to kill a waitress to feed from them. He can feed from the waitress, heal her, and compel her. No one would have an issue with that. All they're saying is don't kill people for no reason. Fair enough. And then if he didn't kill people for no reason, they would be more willing to, like, thank him when he kills Trip. Because then it's, like, more meaningful. But killing obviously doesn't, like, bother him. So it's like, okay, you killed Trip. Awesome. You kill everyone. Everyone else in this group clearly values not killing people. Even Damon values it. He values not killing people with no reason. Mm -hmm. So either you have to decide, do I want to be in this group enough that I will adopt those values for the trade-off of having meaningful friendships? Or do I not want to be in this group and feed on people? It's okay if you don't want to be in this group and kill people, but I think you kind of have to pick. I think Enzo's scared to admit he wants to be in the group. He doesn't even have to admit it. He just has to stop killing people. But if he stopped killing people, it'd be obvious that's the reason. I think to him. Maybe. I think in his mind, like if he changes himself, he'll be like, well, then they know I I want to be friends with them. And then if they don't be friends with me afterward, then I'm just like fucking idiot. I think he has enough plausible deniability. I don't think he has to, but I get what you're saying. I just think, you know, again, jealousy is a disease. I think it's more that hurt people hurt people. Okay. <laughs> we go out to the car. Stefan and Monique slash Sarah mm-hmm. are on a family drive. And she says, I told you, Zach Salvatore is my father. Gail is my mother. I have these pictures. And Stefan says, that's your big evidence? Stefan's like, you have two Polaroids? You're not even going to give me anything else. He says, a picture you stole? You gave yourself up the second you got in the car. True. Because if she wasn't lying, she wouldn't have left quietly. Yeah. She would have been like, why do you think I'm lying? She says, why don't you believe me? He pulls over. He said, okay, fine. Let's cut this shit. (laughs) He says, because right now, Sarah Salvatore is in her dorm room at Duke, where she studies as an art major. Does Duke ring a bell? Alaric Saltzman. Alaric Saltzman. Just something to think about. And you know who else famously taught at Duke? Queen of the girl bosses, Isabel. I was going to say it was Isabel, right? It was. Because I knew they were together at Duke. 
Yeah. She was a professor there. Stefan says, and she didn't bounce from group home to group home. She was adopted right out of the hospital by a great family. I made sure of it. Now, as soon as Stefan said this, I was like, I don't know why I thought he wasn't tracking where this baby ended up. Like he wasn't checking to see if the baby lived or died. Like, of course he was tracking this baby. Stupid me. And Monique says, oh, you know her. (laughs) Monique's like, okay, well, that would explain why you think I'm lying. She said, okay, so the jig is up. (laughs) He says, she's my family. Even though she doesn't know me, I've looked out for her for her entire life. Now, who the hell are you? She tries to run. Uh, He vampire runs to get in her path. I don't really know why she thought that would work. Might as well. (laughs) She says, okay, my name is Monique. And this is why I don't let Stephanie look at IMDb, because this girl is listed as Monique from the very first time she's introduced. (laughs) So I'd be like, what's that about? (laughs) When I was watching and I was reading IMDb while I was watching, because one thing about me, I'm going to look up spoilers. I was like, what? This must be a typo. I was like, okay, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) We go over to the prison world. Now Damon and Elena have made their way to the Gilbert house, not burned down in this timeline. Mm -hmm. And I knew she'd get her ass over there. Yeah. Elena is sitting on the porch swing and Damon approaches and he says, May 10th, 1994, I had a day. I was mad at Stefan for something. I don't even remember what it was. Yes, you do. You just told the story like a week ago. You absolutely remember what it was, but you don't want to get into the intricacies of it. (laughs) Yeah, He says, and in typical Damon fashion, I acted out. People died. (laughs) How'd they die, Damon? (laughs) He said, I acted out and people ended up dead. Ah, Who can say how? The passive voice is, is really boosting him up here. Yeah. And and definitely none of them were pregnant. Yeah. Don't ask for a breakdown of the people who died because I don't want to tell you one was a pregnant woman. Yeah. Not your hating ass. Because I do feel like you'll get mad about that one. So I'm keeping that to myself. He says a lot of people died. And believe it or not, ever since that day, I've felt horribly guilty. So I thought this was my hell. But you know who didn't? Bonnie. She had hope for both of us. She's the reason I survived, the reason I made it out. Who knew? Turns out you spend time with someone and don't kill them. You actually become friends. See, he learned this, but Enzo hasn't learned this yet. And when Enzo learns this, I will be happy to support him. But for now, I'm still going to support Stefan. Damon says, I'm doing this for Bonnie, Elena, not for you. And that's it. And Elena's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. She says, keep telling yourself that. What do you mean it's not for me? I mean, it's <laughs> it's about me at the very least. Yeah, I'm a part of it. <laughs> Elena says, Damon and Bonnie, who would have thought? Anyone who has seen their personalities. Obviously, they hated each other because they were two alike. Yes, let's all be honest. Damon says, don't make this any weirder than it needs to be. Elena says, she's probably passing Whitmore right now. And Damon says, if she's not lost, she has a terrible sense of direction. They laugh. And Elena says, you know, I could have sworn this porch swing used to squeak. Damon says, it did. I fixed it. Bonnie and I came here every day. It was the closest thing I had to a picture of you. And I needed every reminder I could get. Actually, the closest thing you had to a picture of her was Stefan's picture of Catherine. Maybe you couldn't find that. (laughs) Elena says, it's funny. I used to have so many good memories of this house. And after just one bad one, I burned it down. I couldn't bear to look at it again. I can't believe it's gone. Want to connect this to anything else? Yeah, Elena, doesn't this sound familiar to you? Doesn't this sound stupid now that you're saying that you've done it again? She never learns. Damon says, want to go inside? And she says, yeah, I do. She goes to the door and she looks at him and she says, sorry, I compelled away the memories. 
They were only half mine. Thank you. Took your time with that apology. But Damon, you know what? To his credit, he's accepted his fate. And he says, we'll make new ones. Mm -hmm. Back in their falling in love era, back in their Delana era, she said, who the fuck is Liam? He touches her face. They like look at each other. And then some like bright light shows up. And Elena says, um, do you feel that? And Damon realizes what that bright light means. He says, oh, no. And then they go and they're back in the cemetery in the real world. Mm-hmm. And Elena says, no, we shouldn't be back yet. Damon, we have another hour. And then we see Liv and Tyler are there. And Elena says, what the fuck did you do? And it's like, obviously, I took you out of here. <laughs> Tyler says, Kai is here. So we have to get back to Mystic Falls before he takes any more of her magic. What's one more hour? I'm so sorry. Well, just, yeah, you got away from him. Do you think he's going to come to this cemetery to find you? Yeah. And frankly, you should have given them a shorter time period anyway to, you know, force their hand a little bit more. Well, yeah, you should have said, I can keep you in there for up to eight hours, but I might have to pull you out early. Time is of the essence. So probably don't wait until the last 30 minutes. If you can help it. (laughs) Elena says, no, send me back first. And Liv says, I can't. You could, though. (laughs) Elena (laughs) says, Bonnie was on her way. Send me back. She runs to them to, like, kind of force them. But she starts to burn because Liv and Tyler are over the border like cowards. Because they know they're wrong for this. Damon says, Elena, you're over the border. She says, I know. She's, like, burning up. She's like, I'm aware. So she walks back. Tyler says, I'm sorry, Elena. And he and Liv go. Over on the side of the road, Monique is talking to Stefan about her real past. She says, I met Sarah at sleepaway camp. And at first it's like, how did your foster family afford sleepaway camp? Yeah, it's like, who sent you to camp? I thought your foster parents hated you. And then she says, or as my foster family like to call it, get the hell out of my house camp. (laughs) Just like they called it, get the hell out of my house school. Yeah. (laughs) She says, Sarah had a great life. Me, not so much. So when I found out she had no desire to find her real family, he says, you decided to find them for her. She says, couldn't be any worse than what I had. Yeah, she's like, well, she didn't want this family just hanging out here. So I was going to find them. Girl, you don't want this one. Let me tell you that. This one's worse. Sarah was right to not look for this one. Stick with emancipation. Do you think we're going to meet Sarah? Do you think Sarah is going to want to find this family? I mean, I I think we're going to meet her because we've mentioned her. We know she's at Duke. And since you asked me if the Duke connection rang a bell, I feel like that has to be connected to something. Because I wasn't going to bring that up. Or maybe you brought it up because you know it doesn't mean anything. It's hard to say why I brought it up. But I think it could come up again. Stefan says, well, considering the fact that my brother killed her mom while she was pregnant, I don't know if it's better than what you had. (laughs) And he clarifies, I let my brother believe the baby died because I wanted to protect her. And even though my brother is not the same person he was before, it's safer if he doesn't know. I know that might be a little bit extreme, but I want her to have a normal life no matter what. I don't think he's keeping this from Damon to protect her anymore but i do think he's like why would i put this out in the universe if i don't have to it does i don't need another person knowing this there's no point for damon to know this yeah there's no point for anyone to really know it because he's just watching from afar like it's not like he's affecting her life i mean i'm sure he's keeping an eye on it but that's your assumption from what we hear this episode yeah although i mean she got to duke so he could have helped with that you think women are stupid or she could have done it herself i suppose yeah <laughs> you think a woman can't get into duke on her own I think a Salvatore woman can't get into Duke on her own. <laughs> Stefan says, see, the problem is with you around, there's a thread now. Someone who knows her other than me. I'm not going to hurt you. I just need you to take off your vervain. And she nods. She's like, yeah, fair enough. She says, yeah, this actually works out. Yeah, I'm fine with this. 
<laughs> Stefan compels her. You've never met or heard of Sarah Salvatore. Forget everything that happened here. Leave Virginia. Never come back. This would work out perfectly, except a car horn honks, and Matt drives up. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! And Matt goes up to her and says, oh, hey, you okay? She says, who are you? And Matt's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Matt says, you compelled her? Why? And Stefan says, she's not my family. She's a con artist, and I'm just trying to get rid of her. Get out of here. Good enough lie. It, th- it covers all the main bases, and it's true. She did lie about being his family. She starts walking again after Stefan shoes her, but then Enzo comes up and grabs her, and he compels her, and he says, no screaming and don't move. And, you know, Enzo holding the girl, we all see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, he ain't letting that girl go. Matt says, Enzo, what are you doing? Enzo says, I want the whole story, not the one obscured by the dulcet tones of a blender. And Stefan says, I told you, she's a con artist. There is no Sarah Salvatore. That baby died when Damon killed her mom. And I think this is a good lie. Yeah. Because Enzo wants details, that's enough details. Yeah. It's basically true. It's just you cut off her life a little earlier. Exactly. Enzo says, then why listen to this one blather on for 20 minutes? Why whisk her away to speak privately? Why wipe her memory? She knows something. He's right about all this. That is so true. Yeah. But all due respect, this is not even remotely his business. I just don't know why he's involving himself with this, except to make Stefan look bad because he's jealous. Well, it just, it really doesn't matter why she's lying. But to Enzo, it's like, it does matter. I will agree with you. He has dug his heels in a little fur here. Yeah. He's like, Stefan is doing something wrong and hiding it from everyone. Like, he must just be doing something evil that they just don't know about. It's like, he's like, I can't hate him for no reason. And it's like, you don't have no reason, but you are going a little fur with it. Yeah. He just wants to prove that Stefan is a liar. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, Enzo, is this the hill you want to die on, really? Enzo, I promise you this girl really doesn't matter. I understand why you are clinging to something, but, like, let's let this one go specifically. Exactly. Stefan says, don't do this. Just let her go. But the thing is, Stefan doesn't really give a fuck about this girl. Exactly. So he's like, I mean, please let her go. But if you don't... (laughs) Again, this is just, like, the wrong hill for Enzo to die on because it's not going to get a reaction from Stefan. Yeah. If nothing else, it's mild annoyance. Stefan has no prerogative to tell the truth here. Yeah. Because the worst consequence is he kills this girl that Stefan doesn't know or particularly respect. And it's probably not worth telling Enzo about a a college-age human that it would hurt Stefan to kill. Yeah, exactly. That's not really information he should have. <laughs> exactly. Enzo says, see, he's digging in. I can always spot a liar. It's like, you know... you're in a friend group and there's one person you're like oh i hate that person but you don't really have a justification but you know you're right deep down yeah now in this case and there's a little wrong but you know when everyone else figures out you're like i knew that's the thing (laughs) there's nothing stefan could do here to make enzo not kill this girl yeah and i think he kind of knows it already which is also why stefan's like why would i tell the truth so if stefan tells the truth then enzo will kill this girl and then go on to kill the real sarah yeah And if he doesn't tell the truth, Enzo just kills this girl. So this is kind of the best option for Stefan. And Stefan also knows he's like, well, it doesn't really matter if she dies because, like, who's going to come looking for her? Yeah. Not her foster family who clearly hates her. Yeah. Enzo says, how about a countdown? That's fair for everyone. Five seconds. Four. Three. Matt says, Enzo, let her go or I swear. Like, Matt, 
get a crossbow. Grab him or something. Tackle him. Didn't you play football? I guess he was the quarterback, so he wasn't tackling. (laughs) He was getting tackled. Yeah. But, like, try something. Do something resembling anything. He's not going to listen to you. He doesn't respect you. He's been calling you mush all day. You have to, at the minimum, like, hit him. You can't say, hey, don't. It's like if if he saw someone breaking into his car and he said, hey, they're not going to stop. Enzo says, oh, you'll what? Matt says, I'll kill you. And Enzo says, will you? Because Stefan's five seconds are up. He snaps Monique's neck. Matt says, no. Here's the thing. Again, Enzo's blinded by his hate for slash jealousy of Stefan. But this is totally short-sighted. Stefan obviously doesn't care about this girl. This is the girl to turn into a vampire. Yeah. Get that compulsion undone. She's going to turn against Stefan. She'll sing like a canary. That is true. But Enzo wants to be dramatic. Well, Enzo also is like, I'm going to hurt Stefan's family. Even though it's like, what do you think they were talking about? (laughs) I know. I do think that maybe Enzo thinks that she is his family. Yeah, I think Enzo assumes she is. And that Stefan is saying con artist to make her seem less important. Unfortunately for Enzo, he's not calling a bluff. Yeah. Matt, you know, almost goes to fight Enzo, but Stefan holds him back and says, don't be stupid. And Enzo says, just think all this could have been avoided if you just told the truth. No matter. I'll find out sooner or later. He goes. This is the other thing about Enzo is he gets on a little bit of his like, the truth is all I care about high horse. No, that's not true. Don't lie. I think he's just digging his feet in. Yeah, he is. And I just think he's stubborn, <laughs> which is, it. but that's my baby. Yeah. It's okay. You're just stubborn, baby. Yeah. I just love him. I know. I do. I do like him, but I think like, but you know, the thing is, I've always been not anti-Stefan a little bit. I mean, I've always, I just, I like the ones I think I can fix. Let's all consider the source. Yeah. And there ain't no fixing Stefan. He's, he's above my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> I could fix Enzo. <laughs> Enzo leaves. We go over to the cemetery. Elena is sitting with Damon. They're at Bonnie's grave, actually, which is sad. And she says, Bonnie's going to get to the house and we'll be gone. And Damon says, till the next comet or full moon or eclipse, you know, as long as we have that ascendant, we can go back as many times as we need until we get her back. Great job jinxing it, bitch. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Kai appears, says, oh, wait, are you guys talking about Bonnie Bennett? Honestly, I didn't think she was all that great. And of course, Damon's like, ah, and Elena's like, that's Kai, right? Elena's like, I'm guessing you're Kai. (laughs) She's like, man, you've got charisma. Man, you're cute. No one said you were cute. (laughs) Kai magically tosses the Ascendant against a tree and it breaks. Elena runs up to it to grab all the pieces. Damon says, oh, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this and tries to vampire run to kill him. But since he spent so much time announcing it, Kai does an aneurysm spell. Yeah. Well, and also, to be fair, David doesn't know Kai has magic right now, so. That's true. Even though he did see the Ascendant fly. Do you think it was the wind? Pretty damning clue. Kai says, oh, yeah, Damon, by the way, I stole some of Liv's magic when I tried to kill her. I think some of it may still be in my system, so pardon me. He pushes Damon around, and then he goes up to Elena, who's very slowly picking up the pieces of the Ascendant. And this is expecting a lot of foresight from Elena. But when something like this breaks into a million pieces, I feel like you should always hide one piece. So then even if he gets most of the pieces back, you still have one. You still have a bargaining chip. Put some in your pockets. Yeah. He grabs a piece. 
He says, you missed one. And he drops it in her hand with the other pieces. And he says, there's Matos Incendia. And it bursts into flames. As does her arm. <laughs> yeah, she drops everything. She sets on fire. Damon runs to grab Kai, but he does the classic Gemini move of disappearing. So Damon grabs a stick, hits where Kai was, and Kai goes flying and reappears. But he goes flying over the border. Mm-hmm. So the flames go out on Elena because, the you know, the magic ended. Mm-hmm. Kai says, huh. I guess this is that anti-magic border, which means now there's a psycho loose in Mystic Falls and no vampires around to stop him. Whoops. Now, Damon, pick up a, a stick and just throw it into his neck. He can't do anything with the spell. These people are really slacking with killing people these days. Yeah. We go over to the side of the road. Stefan and Matt are loading Monique's body into Matt's truck. And Stefan says, look, I'm sorry Enzo killed her. <laughs> like, What do you want me to say? Matt says, yeah, he's a monster, I know, but you could have stopped him and you didn't. Be fucking for real, Matt. What motivation did Stefan have to stop Enzo? And Matt, you could have stopped him and you didn't. Yeah, you got feet that move. Yeah. You got two fists. Where's that quarterback arm? Yeah. Where's that quarterback arm? Where's the ability to step towards someone instead of saying a word? What was all the training for? Stefan says, did you think that was easy for me, watching an innocent girl die? Matt says, I don't know, actually. You're not exactly the sharing type. Not with you. He shares plenty with everybody else. Well, and see, here's the thing. Matt had so much shit to say about Enzo, but he bought what Enzo told him. And he has no problem throwing this in Stefan's face. It's like, Matt, so that worked. Matt was so quick to turn on these people. As soon as Trip is like, hey, boy, you remember how vampires kill people? And Matt said, oh, my God, I can't believe it. He'll do that, and then they'll be like, oh, well, we know Caroline's vampire. He's like, well, don't kill her. You have to pick what side to be on, buddy. Yeah. And I don't care which one, but if you're on the anti-vampire side, I mean, that magic ring's only going to last so long. Exactly. Stefan says, Matt, I promise you, everything I do, I have thought out over and over, making sure it's the right thing to do. Because he was thinking, like, "Mm, should I save Monique now? No. Yeah. He's like, is this really worth it? No. And Matt says, so we're just supposed to trust you know best? He didn't say that. He said he's making sure it's the right thing to do. The implied addition to that sentence is for him. Stefan has to take care of himself. This is also Matt being like, well, I trusted Stefan to put Enzo away. And then I trusted them to get Enzo out. And he's like, he can't keep track of what's right anymore. And it's like, because it does change. And not for nothing, Matt's just following the whims of whoever he thinks is right at the time. Form your own opinion on Stefan and Enzo. And it's fine if you're anti-Stefan. Yeah. But don't be anti-Stefan because Enzo told you to be. And don't be anti-Enzo because Stefan told you to be. And it's worth asking, like, well, why did you let her die? Now, Stefan won't tell you. But, like, he has a reason. And if you wanted to stop her from dying, you could have, I don't know, Mm -hmm. not let her go meet a vampire. There's a thought. It's the same thing as Alaric being compelled by Damon. You guys know these people are vampires. It doesn't mean you can't trust them, but it does mean you need to have a certain grain of salt with which you take things. Yeah, you need to keep your wits about you. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's the same thing as anyone. Like, you can trust any person a certain amount, but if their needs become more powerful or there's something they have to do and it's against what you want, like, that's not necessarily a personal attack on you. But, like, everyone has to live for themselves at some point. Exactly. And if you think that, like, you're immune to that, That's foolish. You're just going to get yourself hurt. Stefan says, 
no, you're not supposed to trust that I know best. You're supposed to trust that I'm nothing like Enzo. That's not really the matter at hand. I do take issue with that comment a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, but we're going to keep moving. <laughs> but I'm not going to say anything else. Um, I just, I do think the issue at hand is that Stefan made a decision for him based on what he knew about this girl. Yeah. And for the protection of this person that he is the only one who knows about her. And it's best if he's the only one who knows about her. So why would he tell Matt about it? But of yeah. course, Matt's like, well, why wouldn't you give me the information? It must be bad. Because he fell for what Enzo was fucking feeding him. Yeah. Some people keep secrets that are good. Yeah. Unfortunately, if you want that girl alive, which, by the way, you didn't even want to live with this girl until a week ago. So let's get that out there. Yeah. If you want this girl alive, you got to put your hand into a fist and punch a guy every once in a while. Yeah. Violence is the answer. And Matt, I understand that, like, Enzo didn't overhear that part of the conversation. But, like, you could tell that Enzo couldn't hear. And Stefan's bringing her somewhere. And she said, it's fine, sure. But if you really don't trust Stefan, don't trust him to do that alone. Yeah. Pick if you're going to trust someone or not. Matt says, the problem is you are like Enzo. Because no matter how close vampires get to humans, our lives will always mean less. So when push comes to shove, we'll be on opposite sides. This is a really interesting comment to make to the guy who pulled you out of the truck when you were drowning. Over the girl he's in love with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Matt, I, I don't know how to say this to you without it hurting your feelings, but like your life is infinitesimally smaller than vampires just in time scale. So in that way, less important. But also this comment, like our lives will always mean less, like no vampire will ever save me. I would love to remind you of a little lady named Rebecca Michelson who saved you repeatedly when it had no benefit to her. Well, Matt, just take a second to think back the last few years of your life. How many humans have died along the way? And how it's never been you for some reason. And how vampires have died along the way and how vampires regularly come to your aid, giving you blood to heal you. Yeah, and how magic is so bad and it takes advantage of people but you keep that fucking ring on yeah if you want to be about this anti-magic life be about that anti-magic life and take the fucking ring off you poser if you're going to be this obnoxious be like bill forbes bill forbes stood by it to the point that he fucking laid and died for it yeah and i respect that because at least he stood by it and i mean even trip too that's the thing if you're gonna be anti-vampire I don't agree with it. I think it's short-sighted. I think it's dumb. But if you're going to be that, be that. Yeah, Connor had no hesitation shooting a kid because he knew that kid was a vampire. Yeah, I at least respect Connor. I respect Bill Forbes. Nobody's respecting Matt. Even Tripp didn't respect Matt. Matt, you were like the fifth one to learn about vampires from him. Now, granted, you knew already, but he didn't trust you with it. And the only reason he told you is because you basically pushed him to. Yeah. You teed him up. It's it's embarrassing for you. It is, again, like Tyler going after Klaus. And it's like, Matt, I understand that you're hurt by this. But in what world are you winning this fight? Yeah. I need you to be realistic. And Matt says, you know, which is what Trip knew and I didn't. Trip really got in his brain. In the, like, four months he was there. That's charisma, baby. That's the power of Colin Ferguson. Yeah, that's that's Colin Ferguson's power. We love you, King. I wish you were still here, even though I hate Trip with a passion. I wish you were here as a different character. Yeah. I, I wish you were like 
Trip's sexy vampire brother. <laughs> I wish Trip had a twin who was sexy and pro-vampire. Yeah. Matt gets in his car and goes. He takes the body. If I'm Matt, I'm like, you take the body. Yeah, if I'm going to be on this whole high horse of like, you think you're so much better than me, so you know what? Take the body. I just think he didn't want to touch it. <laughs> what if he just forgot she was in the trunk? And he gets arrested. <laughs> and he's like driving. He's like, what is moving around in the back? That's, that's Sarah. Yeah. We go over to the Salvatore house in the real world. Jeremy's sitting there. Uh, he pours a bourbon. He gets a call from Elena. And he says, let me guess, Bonnie's not with you? And, you know, you can see how he says this, too. He's, like, saying it, but he's like, but is she? Like, he still has a little bit of hope for it, but he won't show that. Also, this is now when uh, Elena's at Bonnie's grave. I don't think she was at Bonnie's grave earlier. My mistake. She was in the graveyard regardless, so. Yeah, tomato, tomato. Elena says, well, Bonnie was on her way, but Jeremy says, let me guess, at the last minute, something went wrong and it didn't work. He's seen the show. Yeah, he knows how this happens. He looks directly at the camera. (laughs) Then Jeremy says, I bet Damon's fine, isn't he? He doesn't even wait for Elena's answer. He just hangs up. As he should, because he's like, yeah, I bet Damon's okay, huh? And she's like, oh, shit. She's like, well, he is actually. I mean, he is, but I I don't want you to be mad at me about that. Exactly. For a second, it looks like Jeremy's going to smash yet another cut crystal glass <laughs> but no he just goes to drink they're running low on decanters so everyone realized they have to be a little more calm yeah his two weeks of sobriety is about to come to an end and then matt comes in and says don't do that jeremy says why not jeremy's like i can't fucking drink now yeah matt reveals that he's holding a huge gun it's like oh here we fucking go again with you <laughs> and he says because I think channeling your rage might be a better option. How do you feel about being a hunter again? Jeremy says, why? Jeremy's like, why would I do that? Like, even though Jeremy and Matt have, you know, strained relationships with vampirism in different ways. And I think it's only gotten worse for Matt since the border got put into place because he's he's got some distance. He's now got an us versus them mentality. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Jeremy's sister is a vampire. That is a kind of loyalty that he cannot get rid of. And Matt, I think, talk about someone who's jealous of Stefan. Yeah. I think he wants to get at Stefan, but if he really was about that life, he'd have to kill Elena and Caroline, and he's not going to do that. Well, and also he doesn't want to kill Stefan because he knows then he cuts off Elena and Caroline. I do think there's certainly a part of Matt that is probably still mad at Stefan for killing Vicky. And I don't blame him for that, but admit that. I think he ignores a lot of like his anger about vampires because like, well, they're my friends. And it's like, They can be your friends and you can still hold resentment for what they've taken from your life and how they've changed your life. Yeah. And I also think the other reason Jeremy is more sympathetic is because of his relationship with Alaric, who was a vampire when he first came back. Granted, he's not anymore. But also, he really looks up to Alaric, who is both a vampire hunter and sympathetic to some vampires. Yeah. Well, I think Jeremy has spent a long time learning about vampires and, you know, understanding different approaches to it. Interacting with John Gilbert, interacting with Anna, interacting with Vicky. Like, he understands there are gray areas. And Matt, I think, understands the gray areas. But I think in need of comfort, he goes back to black and white. Because that is easy to understand. Yeah, Matt's a black and white thinker. He's not our brightest, and that's okay. Yeah. Matt says, I want you to help me kill Enzo. So I have to ask, you think Matt's going to kill Enzo? No. I mean... It would piss me off if he did. But first of all, Bonnie and Enzo need to kiss first is the thing. Yeah. And I have a feeling Matt's going to 
get over this because he can never hold on to one fucking choice yeah for more than a day at a time so yeah he's not killing enzo i think he'll try uh but i think he will fail how do you think he'll try shoot him sure i mean and also you know we just saw matt immediately sided with enzo after he talked to enzo so when he talks to enzo again first of all enzo's hard to kill because he's smart and it takes quite a bit of pain to knock him down yeah and i don't see matt being like a one and done shot kind of guy but also enzo is very good at manipulating people mm-hmm. and matt you're kind of a soft target matt's quite easy to manipulate and so is jeremy to be fair Jeremy's a little more wise to it. Yeah. Jeremy's a little more aware of it because he's interacted with Damon so much that he can kind of see the signs. Matt's really easy to uh, move to a different side, obviously. That's why Trip picked him. Yeah. Let's say that. So, yeah, Matt, uh, this is going to be more embarrassing than when Tyler tried to kill Klaus. <laughs> yeah. Hate to tell you. Because at least Klaus, like, has a fancy weapon you need to kill him. You could kill Enzo with a stick and you won't be able to. <laughs> We go to the woods. Alaric meets up with Damon. And he says, so Joe drove me across the border. I told her she was crazy, that you'd never compel me. And Damon says, okay, look, Rick. Uh, Rick punches him. Now that's fair. It is fair. Damon says we had to get Bonnie back. And Rick says getting Bonnie back was never off the table. It kind of was without the Ascendant. Let's be totally fucking honest. Look, you guys have enough complicated spells to try to fix. You know of one way to fix this damon knows how to interact with kai like this wasn't a crazy move and again alert should have seen this coming obviously damon compelled him yeah and it is true that if anyone's going to interact with kai it should be damon who has a really strong understanding of him more than even joe does yeah rick says what was off the table was compelling me to steal from my girlfriend when we had promised her we'd keep her brother locked away Well, it was never off the table because you didn't say anything about that. Yeah, (laughs) because he compelled you too fast. Well, he shouldn't have had to say it. But, you know, obviously Damon's going to compel you. Again, if you're interacting with vampires, I do not care how close of friends you are. You should be having vervain. And if you're not, you can't get mad when someone compels you. I'm so sorry. And I I do think you should be wearing multiple types of vervain and drinking it. You know, if you have access to Vervain, because then if they say, take off your Vervain, I'm going to compel you. I take off my one that they know about, and then my earring is still keeping me safe, you know? Yeah. I just think that's wise. Like, as much as I trust them as my friends, like, I don't want to be compelled. Especially in season six. Sorry. Alaric says, where is he? Kai. And Damon says, he's out, but it's not our fault. <laughs> Rick punches him again. But it is true. It's not their fault. It is unfortunate, but it is not on Damon. Yeah. Kai would have gotten out whether or not this ascendant was stolen. Rick's not ready to hear that yet. And if you really want to blame someone for him getting out, blame Sheila Bennett. She's the one who put a Bennett witch in there. But yeah, you know, no one wants to have that conversation. Everyone wants to blame Damon. She had a good reason. And I know that it's easier to blame Damon because Damon's the one who's here. And Alaric feels most betrayed by Damon because he trusted him the most. But it's not his fault Kai got out. Yeah. Rick leaves. And Elena approaches. Damon says, I left Bonnie a note at the house. I told her we'd be on your front porch. And in the prison world, we can see Bonnie arriving to the Gilbert porch running up. Yeah, because she's sprinting because she's got the pep in her step you need. Yeah. In the woods, Damon says she'd probably be there by now with about a half an hour to spare. She sacrificed everything for us over and over again. And then when we were supposed to be there for her, she's all alone. 
in the prison world, Bonnie realizes that they're gone. She doesn't know why. She doesn't know how. But she knows they're gone. In the woods, Damon and Elena are really sad. And in the prison world, Bonnie is like sobbing. Because that was kind of her last hope. Because Kai's gone. She has Bennett blood and like maybe an ascendant because like maybe the pieces fell like it did when Damon got up. But like her magic's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. How do you think Bonnie's going to get out? And when? Uh, like how long now? I keep saying like one or two episodes, but it's never been right. I do think, you know, she is basically the only Bennett witch left. I mean, we know Lucy Bennett's around, I guess. But based off this, I don't think we're going to see her again. So I do think there's a potential that this teaming up with the Bennett family will be helpful for the Perker family in some way. But there's no Ascendant in the real world anymore. Oh, that's true. Do you think it's something that can be rebuilt? Or do you think it's something that can't be? I think it can be. I think it's about... Because, you know, there are two in existence, but it is because of the time that makes that happen. I think one of the Perkers could get into the prison world is the thing. And I think they could probably get out, especially if they know a Bennett, which is in there. So that it may also behoove them to go get an ascendant from the prison world to put Kai back in. But how can they get into the prison world to get an ascendant without an ascendant? They make a new one. I guess But then if they make a new one, why do they need to go get the old one? Yeah. Either way, Bonnie's coming out. <laughs> it's, it's always taking longer than I think, and I don't know how it's going to happen, but she's coming out. That's all I need. That's all I know. Because she's going to kiss Enzo. So maybe Enzo goes in, but I guess they would need to send it to put him in. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back to square one. But she's coming out. I, I don't need to figure out how. Yeah. I'm not truly Fleck. I don't write the show. I think in some way the Perkers will get her out. Okay. Some member of the family. I don't know who. I even think potentially Kai might. <laughs> Let's just say it. He's got a little crush on her. I mean, why not? He, uh, he's It's messy. It's silly. If nothing else, just to get a hostage to make like other people do something for him. Yeah. Or to even use her as bait. Get the, If he can get them in the prison world and get them stuck in there. Yeah. So a Perker will let her out. Let's. I'll say that. I'll pick something. Great. We go over to the Lockwood house. Kai is sitting in the living room drinking a martini as Tyler comes in. He is so Carol Lockwood coded. I know he and Carol Lockwood would have hit it off. She would have been batting her little eyelashes at him. She would have wanted to eat him up. Yeah. Tyler would have had a new stepdad in a month. Yeah. (laughs) Kai says, I think Jin gets a bad rap. Me too, King. He's your boyfriend. Kai, I know I could get you to fall in love with me. And I know I could get you to be empathetic. I know I could fix you. (laughs) You make a lot of fun of me for defending Enzo and you're out here saying you could fix Kai. But at least the thing about Kai versus Enzo, Kai's not pretending that he has any reason to do any of this fucked up shit other than that he's evil. Enzo has trauma and I can work through it with him. You can fix him. Yeah. Man, double dates would be awkward. (laughs) The four of us. (laughs) Everybody's getting gaslighted at the table by someone else. Gaslighter! Exactly. <laughs> Ping pongs. Tyler is ready to fight, but then Kai quickly breaks the gym ball and holds it to Tyler's neck. So Kai says, I would rather not kill you, but I will. But Tyler decides to hear him out. He says, what the hell do you want? And Kai says, this is going to sound crazy, but I want to save Liv's life. Feel like making a deal with the devil? And that is the end of the episode. And all love to Kai, he picked the best person to use for this. Because this is like the one person who cares what happens to live in like a big way. And I don't know if he knows how stupid Tyler is, but like, oh, this, I mean, he worked this out, bitch. 
Let me ask you a one of these questions. I think you essentially answered. Let me ask you a what is the deal Kai is going to offer to Tyler and B will Tyler take it? I think Tyler will take it. I think the best chance for the deal is, is Kai will say, look, Liv and Luke don't have to merge if you help me merge with Joe. Mm -hmm. And maybe he says, you have to bring Luke and Liv in so I can siphon up their magic so I'm strong enough in the merge. And I think Tyler wants to make sure that Liv doesn't have to go through this, doesn't have to deal with the merge. And a great way to do that and keep them away from the coven because they won't want to be in the coven if Kai's the leader. So he's like, he'll be like, great, sweet deal. Because I'm sure Kai will tell Tyler, yeah, and then they can live for free, which will likely be a lie, but Tyler will buy it. So I think that's probably the deal. Okay. Do you think Liv and Luke will go along with it if Tyler accepts it? It's iffy because I, I would think that they would be slightly against it, but... I don't really trust Liv to handle things well emotionally. Sure. I think they might take some convincing, but I do think Liv will go along with it. Because I think Luke is a little bit more at peace with the whole thing. Because again, I think Luke is like, I'm going to be the one. So I think Liv... And you think Luke's going to be the one to die, just to clarify. Yeah. And so I think Liv is a little bit more like wanting to stop it. Whereas Luke is kind of like, it's okay. I'm having my sugar daddy time and then I'll die young. It's fine. Yeah, he's going to be like, what do I care? I'll be dead. Yeah. So I think it will take a little convincing, but I do think I do think it can happen. And I think Liv and Luke are also in a dangerous position of like, they know what Kai did and they know he's probably not safe to team up with, but Kai's very good at manipulating and he can probably convince them mm-hmm. like, oh, well, the coven doesn't want this, but it's because the coven's evil. We know they hate the coven. I think there's a way he can finagle them onto his side. And likely, I mean, they don't have a ton of allegiance to Joe. Tyler has no allegiance to Joe. Even though they know on paper Joe saved their life from Kai, they also know that then immediately Joe left the coven and never looked back. And so I bet there's a certain resentment there. You know, Liv is clearly very tortured by this idea that, like, one of them has to die. And, like, they're forced to do that for the coven. I think they could turn on Joe for that. Sure. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.